Now, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Esther. We're going to look at Esther chapter 4. And if you have a church Bible, one of these here, it's on page 356. 356. So what we're going to do, I'm going to read the passage. And I want you to follow it through. And then if you have a Bible, keep your Bible open. And we're going to go through the passage together. So, let's start at verse 1 of chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that he had been that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of sackcloth, but he wouldn't accept them. Then Esther summoned Atashi, one of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hayat went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for the annihilation which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and explain to her and, to, and he told her to, and had to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hehash went back and reported to Esther that Mordecai, what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned to the king has but one law, that he must be put to death. The only exception for this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But thirty days have passed since I was called to go to the king. And when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back his answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and I will perish, and if I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out 
all of Esther's instructions. God's going to add his blessing to that word and we're going to look at it together. So before we do, let's just come before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for this group of Esther and we thank you for the message that is there. We thank you for the relevance of it today because it speaks about us as people and we don't change. We are still the same. We are still those who are in need of you. And our Father, we pray that through these words, we will recognize more about ourselves, but also see more of you and your glory. As we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right, as I said, keep your Bibles open and follow me uh, through this passage as we look at it together. Now, as I mentioned last week, although God's name is not mentioned in the book of Esther, what we see is, we see how his people react. And they're reacting to their present day situation. And you know, that's like us. And we need to take, less, we need to take lessons from this and see how they deal with this, what is a very difficult situation. And what, this morning, we're going to see both Esther and Mordecai react to bad news. Okay, is this bad news serious? Yes, it is. Are they troubled? Yes, they are. Is this news that they've got life-threatening? Well, for them, in their situation, it is. It's life-threatening. Does Mordecai know what the outcome will be? No, he doesn't. And you know, this is one of the hardest things that we, we have to face. When things happen in our lives, and things that, it could be a small thing, it could be a big thing, but when we don't know the reason why it's happening, and when we don't know what the outcome is going to be, that's what we struggle with, and that's quite natural. That's how we feel. Why is this happening? And I don't know how it's going to turn out. For Mordecai, the law has been passed. On a particular day, it's been set aside. Citizens of the whole kingdom of Persia were to carry out a campaign of genocide. And you probably still hear that word quite a lot now in the days in which we live. Genocide, what does it mean? Dictionary tells us. Genocide is the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. In this case, the Mordecai, it was to kill every Jew and every member of a Jewish family. And then for the people to do that, they could take their property, they could take their houses, they could take their businesses, they could take whatever they had, and they could take it for themselves. And this is all done under instructions from the state. You know, that's really an awful thing. And it should make us feel really bad about it 
But it happens. And it's happened all the way down history. Different groups of people, different ethnic groups. Because that speaks of the hearts of man. And why is it done? It's done for power, it's done for gain. In verses 1 to 3, if you look in your Bibles, this is when Mordecai learned about this and we're told what he did. He tore his clothes, he was dressed in sackcloth and ashes. He went to the king's gate and many others throughout the land did the same thing. For Mordecai, the Jew, for him to dress in sackcloth and ashes, sackcloth is just exactly what it says. It's just garments made out of sackcloth. It looks horrible, it'd be horrible to wear. And put ashes on his head. What was he doing? This was an outward sign of Mordecai coming to God, coming to God as a penitent man and showing God that he recognized how he stood before God and how powerful God was and he's calling upon God to help him. He's brought his time of grief before the Lord. But here's the important thing, it shows us that he was ready ready to trust in God and to trust in what God wanted him to do. We read that many were lying in sackcloth and ashes. Well, Mordecai did more than that. He didn't just lie there feeling sorry for himself. We're going to see that as we go through this passage. And we've got to remember that this is going way back in time. This is going before Jesus died on the cross. This is going back to what we call the old covenant, the promise of the Jewish people to worship God, to come before God, to be prepared to do what God wanted them to do. What God wanted them to do was to introduce the Messiah to the world. Very often they failed with that. But in the end, they succeeded because that was God's will. And the Messiah came and the Messiah died and he died for you and me. But we're in this age under what we call the Old Covenant. It's an outward expression of what was happening in his heart. And Mordecai, by doing that, was standing by his faith. Everything around him is going wrong. He's got two feet on the ground. He's got a heart that is in contact with God. And he's showing the world that because he's dressed in sackcloth and ashes. It's not just about mourning. It's more than that. And Mordecai is doing more than that. He was showing his allegiance to his God. And he was showing that he was trusting in his God. For us today, we don't need to literally dress in sackcloth and ashes. I'm sure you will appreciate that. But in a way we do, in a spiritual way, we need to be reminded that whatever situation we find ourselves in, the Lord has promised to be with us. At all times. Good times, bad times. You know, the Apostle Paul, he went through a lot of suffering, a lifetime of pain. He'll, he can tell you about that. 
We can read about in the New Testament the times he was flogged to the point of death. He was thrown out of cities. He was shipwrecked. He was abandoned. He was left alone. He was in prison. He had a few problems, did he? But young Timothy was going into a church and he knew there'd be problems there for him. It wouldn't be an easy thing to do. He wasn't going to get shipwrecked. He wasn't going to get whipped. He wasn't going to get thrown into prison. But he still had life situations that for him were deemed to be difficult. So Tim, uh, Paul, from prison, writes to Timothy. And what's he doing when he writes to Timothy? He's bringing him the experience that he's gone through. An experience that he's gone through with the Lord by his side. <coughs> And he says this in 2 Timothy 2, he says to Timothy, join with me in suffering, this is the bit, like a good soldier. You know, feet on the ground, stand up and fight. I don't mean fisticuffs. But fight with your faith. And then he goes on in, in 2 Timothy 2, and he says this, here's a trustworthy saying. If you died with him. Now he's talking about Jesus died on the cross. And when Timothy came to God through the power of the cross, it's like as though he died to sin and was alive in Christ. That's what that little phrase means. Here's a trustworthy saying. If you died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Timothy is talking, uh, Paul is talking to Timothy about God. He's reminding him of these things. And he goes on to encourage Timothy. He says this in chapter 2, verse 21. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter. He's been talking about the sinful life. And he's saying to Timothy, look... When you come to Christ, you are no longer condemned by sin. You have that new life. They're cleansed by Christ. And he goes on, he says, We will be instruments for special purpose, made holy, useful to the Master, and prepared to do any good works. In other words, as believers, we need to be prepared to come and be ready. No matter what life is doing to us or with us, ready to serve God, not ourselves. Back to Mordecai. Mordecai prepared himself in the presence of God and then he went out to put his faith in action. Now, did you get that? This is the important thing. He put on the sackcloth and ashes. He's letting everybody know that he's looking to God. But he's doing more than that. He's going to go out. And he's going to go and put his faith into action. Is this going to be easy for him? Well, the answer is absolutely not. Would it of itself, the putting on of the sackcloth and the ashes, Remove the problem. Not necessarily. 
but will he trust in the Lord? And the answer is, yes, he will. Now, when I said it would be difficult for him, here's some of the difficulties he's got to face. Some of his fellow Jews would blame him for the situation. He wouldn't bow the knee. It's all his fault. But he went out in the sackcloth and ashes. And he walked through the city. And probably many of the Jews who were also in sackcloth and ashes were going, it's all his fault. And when he got to the gate, there was the people he worked with. There would be the officials and he couldn't go inside the gate. It was locked because he had sackcloth and ashes on. He wouldn't be allowed in. But all those Persians were there. And they'd be mocking him. Always, oh, this is the one who wouldn't bow. This is the one who's trusting in his God. Look at him. Look at him. He's standing there in the sackcloth. Look, he's in rags. Look at the agony on his face. He's trusting in his God. What good will that do? Sometimes you feel like that. If you believe in Jesus and you claim to be a Christian, okay, it won't be as dramatic as that for us. But there will be those times when you go into work, you go into college, you walk down the street with your neighbours. There he is, he's trusting God. <laughs> yeah, look at the car he's got, look at the car I've got. Look at the house he lives in, look at the house I live in. And he trusts in God. Yeah. Back to the palace. <clears throat> Verse 4 through to 5. Tell Esther what's happened to Mordecai. Esther was very upset. She's in the palace. People are coming and saying, you know, your cousin Mordecai is, is outside. He can't come in. He can't come into the city gates, the palace gates, because he's dressed in sackcloth. She would know what that meant. And being aware of the trouble that Mordecai was in, she wanted to do something. You know what her reaction was? She sent him a new set of clothes. Now think about that. that. That's good. From her point of view, he needs a set of clothes. He needs to get those rags off him. And then she heard that he refused to put these clothes on. But more importantly, he refused to remove the sackcloth. See, that's more important than putting the clothes on. Put these clothes on, you look nice, people will accept you. And he probably thought, well, that's very kind of you, Esther. I appreciate that, but no. It's not that I'm not going to put them on. It's just that I'm not going to take this off. I'm not going to move from my faith. I'm going to let people see who I am. I'm going to show them who God is. Some of the things that we can be called to face, it cannot always be fixed with a few paracetamol or an aspirin. Sometimes we need more than that. And when 
we don't understand the situation that somebody is in. Sometimes what we can give them all with a good heart can be something which is actually more of an insult. We all, we've all been at either end of that. Where we've got a problem and somebody comes up and we say, you're okay. And we say, yeah, fine. We don't tell them. We go away. Still with the pain. Or maybe on the other hand, you know, we know somebody has a problem. We come along and we say to them, oh, yeah. Well, you know, pull yourself together. You know, that phrase is sometimes an insult. What do you mean, pull myself together? Do you know what the problem is? No, you don't. And you've just identified the fact that you don't. Okay, you've got a good heart. We need to be sensible on both sides if we're hurting or if we know somebody's hurting. There are lessons here. What did Esther need? She needed more information. She had a good heart. Ah, oh, look, he's, he needs a new set of clothes. Okay. That's great, that's lovely. But when she hears that he wouldn't accept it, she knows there's something more. She needs more information. I'm not saying for us that we have to go round with our hearts on our sleeves. Maybe we can take lessons from this. Listen to what Peter said. This is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Finally, so he's been saying a lot. If you put it all together, he's going to sum up what he's been saying in these few words. These are words that Esther will understand now when she gets the full picture. These are words that Peter said. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, that is, be like Jesus. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate. Be humble. If those things are seen in us, then maybe we will then see the problem in others where we can do more than just say, pull yourself together. I know it's difficult. But there are lessons here for all of us. Back to Esther, verse 6 through to 8. She's going to learn the seriousness of the problem. She hasn't been told she's cocooning the castle in, in the palace. Mordecai is at the gate. Esther knows where to find him. She sends an official to find out from Mordecai what the problem is. Mordecai is prepared. He has a full copy of the order that's been officially signed and distributed throughout the land. He's got it all down there. He's got the evidence. Mordecai, his instructions to Esther are going to be, beg the king for mercy. For whatever reason, Mordecai, I, I, I kept 
is inherited secret. We don't know why. He was living in a strange land. Maybe he thought it was an easy life. Maybe he thought he was in danger if he told people who he was. We don't know. But he also instructed Esther to do the same. If you go back to Esther chapter 2, verse 10, we read this. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Now, now, he's asking Esther to go into the king's presence. Now, listen to this carefully. To beg for mercy and to plead for him and for her people. Him, who everybody now knows is a Jew, and her people, which meant that she would be admitting to everybody that she was a Jew. Get that? This for Esther, to put it in modern day language, is a suicide mission. Habakkuk goes back to Esther. Esther's all the king's officials and the people of the royal province. This is verse 11. Know that for any man or woman to approach the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. For 30 years, uh, 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. The king, the one who sealed, who put his signature on this edict, this law that had gone out. Now, he'd given his seal, his signature, to Haman. So it looks like the king hadn't even read the small print. He wouldn't have known because Haman, when he went to the king, didn't tell him that the nation he wanted to annihilate was the Jewish nation. He didn't tell the king that. But it was on the edict. It was on the words of what Mordecai brought that had been printed and sent throughout the kingdom. But it looks like the king didn't know. Being Persian law, and you can check your history. The Bible is clear on this, and history tells us the Persian law, once written and signed by the authorities, could not be changed. And it couldn't be rescinded. You couldn't. And this was signed, sealed, and delivered on the king's orders. The rest of us watched the king without being summoned to carry an automatic death sentence. Now we're going to look at that a bit later because he's going to do that. And when we look at that then, we're going to see how, how difficult it was to approach a Persian king. But for now, it's enough for us to know the danger that Esther would have to put herself in. And when we come to verse 12 through to 14, we see, and I've just had this little bit, belief in God. Mordecai said to her on this occasion, verse 14, if you remain silent at this time, 
Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. That's a great word there. Look. Look, look Esther. Me, Mordecai. And not just me, but all the Jews, and including you, were about to be annihilated. You are the one person, the one person who could do something about this. Do you think that the Lord has placed you there so that you can do that? That all this trouble that's going on and you can react? Okay. You're thinking, I'm not very important. I can't do much. If I go to the king, I'm just one of a number of people and he could just as easily have me executed. So who am I? Why should, why, why should I do that? Why should I go for Because what's going to happen? We're all going to get killed. And if I go to him, I'm going to get killed as well. There's a possibility I might get away with it. And his wife and the queen. But Mordecai is saying, Esther, all this all this might be that you are there because you are the one who the Lord has chosen to bring something about and that something is the will of God and get this Mordecai and Esther are both having to face this fact God has the power to overrule but it might not be his will that things change this time. And Mordecai says, that might be true. But whatever happens, God will do something. Maybe not now, but the possibility is that he will do it now because you are there where he's placed you. You God places us in places where we might not expect to be. And it might be he's placed us there that his will be done that his will be done through you and if it's not done through you well it will be done anyway that speaks to me of the value that God puts on your life and my life when we come to him in Christ he chooses to use us all the way through scripture you will see men who have been chosen women who have been chosen to do a work for God. And you'll also see those who have refused. But the work has still been done by a different way. And we see that not just in Scripture, but through the history of the church. Great lessons here for all of us as we just come towards the end. God's will will be done, and in His providence, times he chooses to use us but if we don't obey his will will still be done final part of this passage 12 through to 14 trust God play your part and put faith in action You read those few verses, 16 to 15 through to 17. Esther, 
is going to react. The first priority is to turn towards the Lord. Then she calls others to do the same. I've said, look at the faith of Esther and Mordecai. Okay, they might have faulted earlier, but God is now bringing them out. They are coming back to God. God is going to use them in a mighty way. And Esther, that person who found grace and was chosen to be wife to Xerxes, the king. It was all about who she was, her personality. Did people see something of the Lord in her? Her dignity? The respect she had for others? You know, we read that even her attendance, when Esther says, I'm going to fast, they join her. They join her. Why is that? Okay, she's the boss. Well, I believe they had great respect for her. And they stood by her. And I think they knew that she was laying her life on the line for her people. Not necessarily for them, but for her people. And they said they'd join her. That's, and also, she says to Mordecai, look, you've turned to God. Know that by the sackcloth and ashes. You took a stand. I'm going to take a stand. But we can't do it alone. Get everybody, everybody, to turn to the Lord. All the Jewish nation, all those in exile, who were in exile but are now in freedom in Persia, who haven't gone back to Jerusalem, and pray, turn to God, fast, and prepare for God to act. She trusted God. Mordecai, I trusted God. Neither of them knowing what would happen. It was a hopeless situation. The law couldn't be changed. The law couldn't be rescinded. The law was there. The die was cast. But they were going to turn to God. You know, <laughs> the reason that I sort of looked at that chorus that we sang about Daniel. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daily he prayed three times. You know, Daniel found himself in a position where he was asked to bow before a king who saw himself as God. And Daniel said, no way, I'm not going to do that. And he didn't hide. And everybody saw that and they reported him to the king. And the penalty was, and this was a law. And the law was, if you don't bow down to the king, you go in the lion's den. And when Daniel went into the lion's den, he trusted in God. But he wasn't absolutely sure that those lions were going to not eat him. They were prepared. The lions were, they were roaring. They hadn't been fed. That's what they did in those days. Don't feed the lion. Let's throw him in and we can see it all happening, you know. Better than going to pictures <laughs> in that day. Better than going, this was the theatre for them. Whoa, let's see God chose to save him, but Daniel wasn't sure about that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you want to remember them, I used to remember my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. Yeah? Three who refused to bow the knee. And not only refused to bow the knee, but stood up and said, We have a God. We have a God, and no matter what you do to us, we're still safe. We might burn in the fire that you've prepared. But even if we do, 
We still won because we'll be with him in glory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they walked into that fire. And the Lord saved them. And he can do that. And he can also choose not to do it because there might be something beyond that, which is even greater, that's going to happen. And it might be that we go through the suffering. He never, he never removed Paul from all the pain and the suffering, but he stayed with him through it. He never, he never, when the, the axe fell or whatever it was, when Paul laid his life down, when he took him from prison, and we don't know for sure, but we think that he was executed, that God, that God then didn't stay in the executioner's hand. Because we have the benefits of that. And we can look at that this morning and we can take, take joy from the fact that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were all preserved. But Stephen, the first martyr, lost. He was stoned. Why didn't God move and make all those people throw down the stones and walk away? Because Stephen laid down his life. Because God had greater plans. Stephen was an integral part. Stephen's death was an integral part of the Apostle Paul coming to Jesus. Amen for that. Amen. And I bet Stephen didn't understand it. Hey Lord, don't let them do this. Oh, the stones are hitting in front and he's dead. But before he died, he knew where the victory was. And we're the same. Circumstances might not be that critical for us, but it might be. You've just got a bit of an ache and a pain. Well, listen, if you've got a bit of an ache and a pain, you tell me. I feel really sorry for you. I will sympathise with you. I will pray for you. And I will tell you to go to the chemist and get someone to move on you. But maybe you need a little bit more than that. Right. So you pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us. And we thank you that you know the things that are happening in our daily lives. And things sometimes go great, sometimes they don't go so great, and sometimes they seem to go terrible. Sometimes we find ourselves struggling. Now, Father, we just ask that you will open our hearts that we might turn to you and we might seek your guidance and your love. And that we will recognize that. Even if I hurt, we are safe in the palm of your hand. Now, Father, we just pray as your people that we will be sensitive to each other and that we will show the qualities to each other that you might be seen in us. But more than that, that we might be those who reflect who you are in the lives of those who don't know you. Now, Father, we lean upon you now. As we ask your guidance as we go through life and as we go in your precious name.